Hallelujah. What a fantastic job they did. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Good morning, Christ Fellowship. How's everyone doing today? Good morning. And welcome to those of you that are joining us via live stream. I'm really excited to be here with you today. And I just want to do a little plug for that group that was just here. They're in their second level of signing classes that we offer here at Christ Fellowship. And today we're fortunate because both of their instructors are with us. We have a Sergio and we also have Mr. Wilson. So let's give them a hand because they've done a fantastic job. And if anyone here is interested in learning uh, how to sign, please be sure to see Mr. Sergio. Now the song that they were signing to this morning is called The Lord's Prayer. And that's what we're going to be talking about today as we close out our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Now the Sermon on the Mount is the most famous sermon given by Jesus. And when he was talking to the people, he went over several different topics with them that we went through here um, throughout the series. But what he wanted to do was he wanted the people to go deeper, deeper to the customs and traditions of the time. He really wanted to get to the heart of what they were doing and why they were doing it. So now how many here have heard the Lord's Prayer or memorized it as you were growing up? Raise your hand. That is also the most famous prayer, is the Lord's Prayer. And as I was looking up information on it, over Easter Sunday services across the world, over 2 billion, billion people recite the Lord's Prayer throughout the world. That's a lot of people, right? And it's like a third of the world's population that's reciting this prayer. Now where, where do we find this prayer? We actually find it in the book of Matthew, and we also see it referenced in the book of Luke. In the book of Matthew, Jesus is speaking to the people on the side of the mountain, the Sermon on the Mount. And in the book of Luke, Jesus went and he was spending time in prayer. And when he was done and he came back, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Now, that's the first time in the Bible written where disciples specifically asks Jesus to teach them something. Now, what would you have asked Jesus to teach you at that time? You know, Lord, help me to feed 5,000 like you did that day. Or maybe some of you are secretly thinking, teach me how to turn water into wine. You know, whatever it is that you want him to teach you. But what they specifically asked for was God, Jesus, not God, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And I believe that the reason they did that was because he modeled it. It's something that Jesus did continually. And as you read through the Bible in the New Testament, you see that he goes away and he spends times of solitude with Jesus. He either does it before he goes and he ministers to the group of people or after he's done doing ministry and everyone goes away, he retreats to spend that time with Father God. Now, if Jesus 
had to spend time with Father God, how much more should, time should we be spending with Father God and in prayer? You see, Jesus understood the power behind prayer, and he also knew the access that he had to the Father. He understood that. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, it reads, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, if you remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Carlos was standing here and he was talking about coming before God with shameless audacity, faith, boldness, and persistence. And we do that through prayer. See, we too have access to the Father just like Jesus did. And when we have a clear understanding of this and how important and essential prayer is for us, we can be even more connected with our Father. Through generations, a vast majority of people have taken the Lord's Prayer as a prayer to simply recite, something that you memorize and you just say. But we miss the overall intention that Jesus had with the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was after our heart. He was not after lip service. When we read the Lord's Prayer, the first thing that we need to understand is that he provided us an outline. It's a model for us to guide our hearts to be focused on prayer. So is everyone ready? Maybe, sort of. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles here, please open up to that. If not, we're going to have it on the screen uh, behind me. And it says, we're actually going to start a few verses before the actual prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father, who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now we're going to pause right there, because in those scriptures, we learn three things. And two of them are things not to do. So the first one is, do not be like the hypocrites. And if you read in there, it says that they were in the temple and in the town, and they're walking around, and, you know, I can pray. And, you know, people are probably talking, and they're just, oh, I'm praying, I'm praying. And it, all they wanted to do was they wanted to be seen by people. And if you remember, Eddie spoke a couple of weeks ago about motive. And the reason that Jesus is saying here is, what is your motive? 
Is your motive to get up and pray so that others can see you? Or is it because you want to get to know me? Because you want to spend time with me? So that's the first heart question is what is your motive? The second thing that we learn here is do not keep on babbling like the pagans. And we're like, you know, I don't babble. What are you talking about? Well, the babbling pagans, what they did was they would pray and they would use lots of words and they would make it extra long because if they thought that if they made it longer with more words, their gods would answer their requests better for them. And what Jesus is saying here, if you read uh, in the scripture, it says, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. So if you're sitting here today and you say, I don't know how to pray, I don't know what to say, and I feel like I have to just keep repeating the same thing over and over, you don't. He knows what your request is. All he wants is for you to just come to him and ask him. It's a normal conversation like you would have with a friend. Now, the third thing that we learn here is something we should do, and it's in verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. So I highlight this because it, set, it says to set a place, and I'm encouraging you, if you don't have a place in your home, a room, a corner, some area for you to meet alone with God, then think about it. It's really important. It's like meeting with that special friend that you look forward to meeting or having coffee with. That's how we should be looking at prayer. Now, we have a friend here who has her own prayer room, and I'm going to call her forward and that's Miss Charlotte. Let's give Miss Charlotte a hand. Come on. Now, Miss Charlotte has not a closet, right, Miss Charlotte? It's a room, and we have a picture of it here. Yes, that's her prayer room. It's amazing. And she's going to share with us briefly about it, right? Okay. So, about 30 years ago, I had a map and a prayer list, and some flyers from church. Excuse me. So I put them up on the wall, and I would remember what to pray, who to pray for. <clears throat> I get emotional when I think about this. Um, my daughter ran away from home at that time also. So I really started to pray. I got serious about praying. Now, when I would think about her, I would see her out on the street, all beat up, a mess. But when I would go to pray, the Lord would give me peace. And he would tell me, it's going to be all right. As it turned out, she was never in harm's way. Never that whole time. So a lot of my prayers for her have been answered, and a lot haven't. But I still pray. So somebody once told me, I have a sore throat, so sorry about my throat. <laughs> um, that 100% of the prayers that I don't pray won't get answered. Okay? So we need to pray, definitely, and be specific. And because I live alone, I have several walls that actually look like that. But it helps me to remember who to pray for 
and who to lift up in prayer. So in John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this will all men know you're my disciples, by the love you have for one another. You, <clears throat> you can love somebody and not pray for them, but you cannot pray and not love the people you pray for. God will shed his love abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. So I really encourage you this morning, if you don't have an area set aside for you to spend your alone time with God praying, think about where you can set that up. Now we're going to continue in the book of Matthew, in chapter 6, verse 9. And it reads, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now we're going to stop here, and we're going to break down this prayer into four sections, okay? The first section is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And in this section, we are going to praise him. Can everybody see that? We're going to praise him. And who is him? Him is our Father. We're going to spend time with him, praying to him. And for some of us, this is simple because we can relate to God as our Father. We had a great relationship with our Father or have one. But for some of us, this can be a little tricky because we didn't have a good relationship with our Father. So how can we be intimate with God in prayer if we can't relate to who Father God is? So who is this God that we are praying to? Who is he? Now, there are many places in the Bible that describe Father God. But for today, we're going to look at the Father in Luke 15. And if you want to go there, you can. I'm going to summarize the story for us. This is the story of a son who goes to his father and demands his inheritance. Now, how many of you know when an inheritance actually comes? When they die, when someone passes away, they leave you an inheritance. So essentially, this son went to his father and was like, listen, I wish you were dead and give me what belongs to me because I want to go do what I want to do. Now, the father in this story didn't react like some of our parents, like, what are you talking about? You asking for money? Estás loco. Tú te crees que yo te voy a dar lo mío. You must be crazy. He didn't do any of that. The father gave the son the money, and the son went off. And he lived his life. He did whatever he wanted to do. He thought life was great. I'm doing whatever I want, spending his money, living it up, having the dream, he thought, right? Until the day he finds himself hungry, broke, and homeless. And at that moment, the son is like, you know, the light goes off. What have I done? The animals, the pigs, and my father's farm live better than I'm living right now. Maybe, 
maybe if I go back to my father, maybe he'll forgive me and let me even eat what the pigs are eating. And we go to verse 20. So the son is on his way back home, not knowing how the father is going to receive him. And in Luke 15, verse 20, it says, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now this is an example of the father's love for us. He loves us so much and expects nothing from us. He is generous. He gave this son what he was demanding. He didn't say, you're going you're gonna to be sorry that you did this to me. He didn't do any of that. He gave it to him, and the son went off. He was generous. Our Father God is not angry with us when we fail or we run and are mad at him. He is always hopeful, full of love, and accepting and forgiving of our past, no matter how horrible we think our past was or how horrible we think we are. God doesn't hold a grudge. He wasn't standing there waiting for him. See, I told you so. I told you you were going to come back here someday. Father God doesn't do that. He doesn't hold a grudge. All the son had to do was come back to the father and ask for forgiveness. That was it. God is our restorer. He is waiting for us to be restored with him so that he can celebrate just like in the story that we read. This is the Father that we speak to when we pray. This is our Father God, a good, good Father. Now, the second thing that we learn in this first section of praising him is praising him, our Father, but it also says, hallowed be your name. And hallowed is not a word I use every day. I don't know about you, but it's not a common word, right? It's a word that says the name of God is extremely, tremendously powerful. And I, it brought me back to my high school days, which was only about three years ago. <laughs> I had a teacher and she was writing on the board. We were doing this study and I remember she went to go write the name God and she couldn't write the O because she was Jewish and it was such a holy connotation to that name that they couldn't, she could not write it out. And I remember that standing out to me. That's hallowed. He is holy, holy God. Now in Hebrew, a name is not just a name that someone goes by. It's much more. It's the very nature and personality of that person. That's the name. And as I was preparing for this teaching, I came across a Bible study that had this caption for hallowed be your name. And it said, may we give you the unique place in our lives which your nature deserves 
and demands. May we give you the unique place in our lives which your nature deserves and demands. I never thought of it that way. See, when we're praying through this section, it's giving God the time that he deserves and demands in our life, but it's also acknowledging that he is holy, that he is love, that he is with us when we rise, when we go to bed, when we go to work, when we're riding on the street, when we're coming around, he is with us. So that's the first section. The second section is verses 10 and 11, and it's your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and give us this day our daily bread. And here is where we recognize that it's God's kingdom, and he is our provider. That's what we recognize in this section. This is, here is where the kingdom of God came to earth, right? This is what Jesus' great task was. And he was being radically obedient to the will of the Father. That's what he demonstrated in the Garden of Gethsemane and when he went on the cross for us. When we are praying through this section, we should recognize that what we're saying is we want to model our lives around the life of Jesus, his humility, his servanthood, his love, his suffering, and his uncompromising obedience to the will of the Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done is not something in the future. It's not something far off. It's here and it's now. It's Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Do what you're going to do in my life, in my family, in my workplace, in my community, in my church. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in these areas. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about him coming and doing it now. Not in the future, not in some distant time off, but now. And give us today our daily bread. This is talking about God meeting our daily needs. And how many here can say that he has met your needs? Amen? That's right. He meets our needs. It's recognizing that we need him to be that in our lives, right? To fulfill those needs, to fill those needs, to provide those needs in our lives on a daily basis basis. And not and I'm not just talking about, you know, food and finances. Yes, we rely on him for that, but emotionally, he is the one to fill those needs emotionally that we have, not food, not people, not addictions. Jesus, God fulfills those needs in our life. So it's talking about all our needs for food, for shelter, for finances, for relationships. Nothing is too small for us to bring before the Father. He wants us to be completely, totally dependent on him on a daily basis. Not just once a week when we come here or when we meet at group. On a daily basis. Recognize that it's his kingdom and recognize that he is our provider. Now the third section is, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And here is where we acknowledge 
repentance, and we acknowledge forgiveness. There's two scary words in this passage, and the words are, as we. I think we generally understand the concept, right, that God died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. We kind of get that. And we also understand, even though reluctantly at times, that we need to forgive others, right? We're not happy with it sometimes, depending on the situation, but we understand it. But the things get a little more serious when we add the words as we. We're asking in this prayer for God to forgive us in exactly the same way as we forgive those who wrong us. Did you catch that? We're asking God to forgive us in the same way that we're asking God to forgive others. So how are we doing in that forgiving department? How are we doing with forgiving people in our lives or people that have wronged us? Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, forgiveness is shocking. It's dangerous. It can make people angry at times. This was a major part of Jesus' kingdom message. He claimed to be able to forgive sins, which at that time only the temple was supposed to do. So they were in an uproar. What do you mean you can forgive sins? And then he went a step further. He called his followers to live out the same model of radical forgiveness, to implement the victory of the cross in a sinful world. We're expected to confess our sins and receive God's forgiveness, to offer our forgiveness freely and repeatedly to others, and to stand in the pain and sin of the world and plead for its forgiveness from God as well. It is our birthright as children of God to breathe in his divine forgiveness, and it is our responsibility to breathe it out into a broken world. Now I go back to that pause that we had. How are we doing in this forgiveness department? Now for some of us here who've asked for forgiveness, you've gone to Father God and you've asked to forgive him, have you allowed yourself to receive the forgiveness that he has already given you? And then for others, have you forgiven that person that has hurt you or betrayed you? Have you given that to God? Have you forgiven that person? See, this isn't a one-time thing. We don't just say, oh, I forgive them and it goes away. You know, some things are easier to forgive than others. Some hurts, you go, you say, Lord, you know, they hurt me. I forgive them. You even talk to the person and you say, I forgive you and you move on. But some wounds, oh, they're so deep. So this is something that we deal with, that we go to in prayer with God, acknowledging that we need his, you know, we need to repent, ask God to forgive us of our sins, but we also need to forgive others. And we do that when we spend time with God daily. 
continually, intimately with him in prayer. Okay, and the fourth and final section of this prayer is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And here is where we yield. We yield ourselves to God. Life comes at us, right? I mean, sometimes it just comes barreling down the highway, it feels like, and we're hit with life. But here in this model prayer, Jesus was telling us that we need to rely on his assistance to deliver us from evil. We can't do it on our own. We need to continually and daily ask God for help, for guidance, for wisdom, to keep our feet on the right path and our eyes on him. So when temptation comes our way, we can withstand it. Now, how many people have taken class 201? Because we've learned this verse in class 201. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Amen? We need to yield our entire life to God. Not part of it. Not some of it. Not sometimes. We need to yield our entire life to God. To trust God with every aspect of our life. He has all the power. It's his kingdom, his work here on earth. It's not our plans. It's not our ways. It's not what we want. It's about him. And when we live a life that yields to God on a daily basis, that is when we can truly walk alongside of him and be a true disciple of his. Amen? Now we're going to recap. The Lord's Prayer is a model and an outline for us, right? We learned that? I can't hear you. Amen. It's a model. It's an outline for us. And we are to praise him when we spend time in prayer. We are to recognize that it's his kingdom and that he's the one that provides for us. We need to acknowledge that we need to repent and we need to forgive. And we need to yield ourselves to God on a daily basis. That is what prayer is. That's what prayer is all about. It's a conversation that we get to have with Father God on a daily basis. If we could please all rise. And if you could hold your neighbor's hand as we close out in prayer this morning. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, because you want to have a relationship with us, because you want to communicate with us. You want to hear from us. You want us to be able to come to you freely, my Lord, and pray, Lord God. Praise you, Lord God. And I just pray, my Lord, that today, Father God, that seeds have been planted, Lord God, that we would walk out of here and we would be able to understand more and more, Lord God, the power of prayer, Lord God. 
and how you have made a way for us to be able to have access to you, Father God. And we thank you, Lord God. I pray that prayer rooms would fill homes in this church today, Lord God. I pray, my Lord, that maybe those that we had stopped praying for, Lord God, that those names would pop back up into our heads, Lord God, that we would not give up, my Lord, on them, Father God. I pray that as we walk out of here today, Lord God, that we would look at others with a different lens, Lord God, that we would see, my Lord, that they need you. And if we don't share the word with them, my Lord, they may never come to know you, Lord God. So I pray, Father God, for each person here today that as we walk out, we would be open to you using us and speaking to those around us, to sharing the love that you have for them and how you are eager to forgive them and restore a relationship with them, Father God. I pray, my Lord, that we would rise up and that we would have prayer warriors among us, Lord God, more, Father God, than we already have, that we would tap into this new found relationship and walk with you, Father God, that we would be able to go to the next level with you, my Lord. I thank you for these things, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.